0: Have you heard about Inbound coming up again in 2021? There are over 70,000 global attendees that's gonna come in for marketing, sales, and customer success. Should be fun. If you don't know Inbound, Inbound is hosted with love by HubSpot. And I'm again partnering up with them this year to share the love across the board. So if you wanna grab your ticket, you are in right in place. I have a code for you. It's called Future CMO. You get 15% off and you can register for uh, the LinkedIn conference. Again, the show notes, you'll have all the details. Go to inbound.com, register, use the code. future CMO. is one of the best events that happen on the planet. Boom. Good morning, everybody. Sangam here. Good to see you all as you are jumping in. Uh, you're doing this LinkedIn Live. And, and it's interesting that as much as we're starting to have this live, Every Monday and Wednesday, I could see a a set of people jumping in for that. So that's pretty cool because now I can say, "Oh, I know this person. I know what their conversation is." So I appreciate you all jumping in uh, on it. So as you come in, just put in uh, where you're from, um, and and just I really appreciate you you coming in and have questions for it. So a few housekeeping before I bring in Wednesday guests. Remember, Monday is going to be do pitch practice, and next Monday. We're going to do the pitch practice, but what we're also going to do next Monday is I'm going to have my friend Daniel Ingelbertson come in and he has three best performing ABM strategies. So July 6th, 9 a.m. Monday, he's going to share that and we just have a live Q&A with him. But really, more importantly, you can pitch idea to both of us. Like, what are you doing from an account based marketing strategy? So I'm going to have a a twist to the pitch. So we're going to have a guest, just like Daryl was there Monday. He was on fire. You haven't seen it. Go back and check it out. Um, And then later on, I am super excited for um, also having Billy, who, who does a remarkable job at virtual events. I know everybody is doing virtual events, but can I say this? They're lame. And you got to up your game on virtual events. So Billy is going to come in uh, next Wednesday talking about it. And, and then the last one, again, we do Monday and Wednesday. So you don't have to remember all this, but I just wanted to give like, I've started to just have a calendar full up to, uh, up to end of July. Um, and then you're going to have Joe Belizzi, who is, if you haven't know, if you don't know this guy, you, you got to follow this guy. He, he essentially literally wrote the book on content marketing and he created a marketing plan. Uh, around how marketing needs to evolve in this time and he literally wrote it and gave it away literally, like it was, it was fantastic so yeah we're gonna have time to talk about that so again as people are joining in erica welcome thank you always for being joined for joining us uh steve good to see you caitlin um awesome to have you maria fantastic um so let's uh let's go ahead and invite and bring in today's guest. And today it's going to be Natalie Bourne. Uh, She's going to share a lot more about it, but we're going to talk about the art of corporate innovation. A lot of times I think we get stuck into this idea of like, we can't really innovate in our organization. Well, she's about to demystify this. And as I bring her in, I'm going to play her favorite song. Here here you go. Hey, Natalie, how are you
1: doing? Yay! (laughs)
0: There you go. So, so tell us what song was that and why did you choose that as your walk of music?
1: Yeah, Katy Perry Fireworks. So, when I think about innovation, I think about fireworks, setting something on fire. The tagline that I always say in my podcast is don't just get out of the box, break it and set it on fire. So, we got to set I'm something hungry. on fire today. <laughs> that
0: I, I absolutely love that. So, Share a little bit about yourself so people get to know. And then we're gonna jump into this because this idea of corporate innovation is really important for people to know. People are thinking, like, well, this is this may not be the time to innovate, this may not be a time to do things. And I'm like, ah, this is the best time. So so I'm so grateful that you actually have a, a full, a very clear point of view on it. And almost like myth busters for people who are like having excuses all day long. So share a little bit about yourself. And I'm going to just jump in questions. With you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I'm the vice president of innovation for Territory Global. And I'm also the founder of a platform called Innovation Meets Leadership. And so that's a thought leadership platform with podcasts and blogs and videos and all the stuff you could think about to kind of spark your uh, mind around innovation. And so essentially, I'm an innovation consultant. I help organizations launch new ideas, new products, new, um, you know, whatever, right? New transformations, whatever they're trying to do to take their process or their company to the next level. Um, And we leverage design thinking. So behind me, you might see this uh, little person here. And essentially, Design thinking is rooted in the idea of putting your customer or your stakeholder at the center of everything that you build. So it's driven by ongoing feedback. It's driven by team-based solutions. So it's not a guy in a corner designing everything. That's old. We don't do things that way anymore. It's bringing teams together, visually designing so that you get the best out of each team member. And then you're constantly iterating and putting that back in front of the customer. And that ensures everyone's voice in the organization is heard that has a a part to play in that innovation that you're creating. And so that's kind of what, what I do. That's my day job. That's awesome. Well,
0: uh, I gotta, we gotta give credit to the person who actually brought us together. So I'm going to just put it in that Amy, Amy, uh, she's been on the the live show before and she introduced us and we had a call literally what, two weeks ago. I'm like, we gotta get, get you on it. So credit where credit to you, Amy, here you are. Thank you so much for, for the introduction. So, Natalie, as you talk about that, now, I'm just going to probably speak what other people are thinking in their their mind right now. Well, this is no time for innovation. This is time for survival. This is no time for thriving. This is time for me to pay my bills. Right.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So it's funny. Um, I think about 2008 when we had the big economic crash. Right. So at the time I was working at a company and we were all going through the motions of figuring out how do we you know, who do we have to let go? Where do we have to cut salaries? We, we did all this stuff in the organization. But then we said this one thing and this was the powerful thing that we said. We said we're going to create two new innovative products every year. And we went through the process of figuring out, well, how do we vet ideas? How do we find the best ideas in the organization and how do we surface them? So we created some different stage gates to get ideas into the gate and then to get our executives to actually like, facilitate how to size those opportunities. And so what happened was, while everyone else is just squeezing in and saying, let's survive this, we started to break down walls and break down barriers and say, what would it look like on the other side of this if we don't just, you know, quiet ourselves down, but if we really make some noise. And so as we did that, what we found was when, when there was recovery, we actually put the head of the market where other people were kind of still trying to figure out how do I survive this or how do I recover? Because, you know, as we know, if we were to come out of what's going on with COVID tomorrow, It would still take a year for a lot of markets who are not doing well right now to fully recover in some even two and three years. So the question needs to be, where do I want to be in two and three years? And what behaviors do I need to do today to get there?
0: What's stopping people from having that mindset? Because with the mindset that you're talking about, Natalie, is almost like, you know, people are scared. Yeah, right? people are like, wait a minute, why am people? And some people, I feel like they're overworked or burned out in in a yeah. way. Like I've zoomed out, and you know, if you, if you if you know what I mean there. So it there's something that's stopping people, I feel like in the tracks that says, you know what? I, I get it. Yes, I need to be ahead of it. I need to do. I mean, the best companies right now, and the best people. If you're listening to this, like you have an opportunity right now more than you ever would have in your lifetime probably and it sounds weird but i think you and i recognize that this is a great opportunity for people who actually care about performance care about team building care about leading like this is what you get paid for as a leader like these are the times but there's something that stops people i think and i wonder if you have like thought through that like what is that myth what is that thing that stops people
1: well i mean You're you're exactly right. The the stopper is fear. And when you said this is what we get paid for, I feel like a lot of us feel like we get paid for the good times. But where we actually earn our paycheck is when things go south. And being able to come in and step in and speak into those things and really create the future. So a lot of the companies I'm talking to right now that are going through massive, you know, if you look in the hospitality industry, they're furloughing somewhere between forty and sixty percent of their people. And they're having to figure out well, in the in light of that, how do I evolve? How do I move forward? And so fear is the great stopper of everything. And I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you a little story because yeah. I think this will drive it home. So on Thursday, last Thursday, I'm out walking my labradoodle, and he is not created for you know fighting, he's created to be cute, okay? And he's about a year old, and we're walking and Across the street, this lady is walking two big labs and my dog's pretty big. He's 65 pounds. These dogs are bigger. She lets them go and they come across the street and they're running at us. And I'm thinking, okay, they're just going to sniff my dog. That's not what happened. One of them starts biting my dog, right? So now I'm in full survival mode. I'm kicking. I'm screaming. I'm trying to get this dog off of my dog. And now let me ask you a question. Tell me to invent something. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, psychologically, my adrenaline's up. And so what happens a lot of times with what's going on right now is if we live in a place of survival mode, we cannot imagine the future. We cannot create the future because psychologically we are afraid. And so it's the leader's job to pull people into a place of psychological safety. It's the leader's job to create a world To show them, yes, this is going on right now, but let's look at what the world could look like on the other side of this if we did things differently. And if we think about the future instead of being stuck in what's going on today. Well, yeah, if I look at the news today, I'm going to be in a completely different mindset than if I say, what can I create today? And I'll read the news this afternoon. And so we have to kind of shift that mindset. And so in the mornings, I'm very cognizant of what I put into my mind um, because. If I put myself in a state of fight or flight, I cannot create the future. And Mm -hmm. so a lot of times um, leaders like let's, for for example, in sales roles, sometimes when sales are not so great, the leader of that sales leader will come in and just pile on them. Well, now they're in a state of anxiety and fear, and that creates fight or flight. Instead of saying, let's look at what's possible, let's sit down together and look at, OK, so we acknowledge that this is not good, but now let's look at what's possible and let's focus on that. And so I think that we sometimes are focused on the wrong things and that does create fear and we cannot create when we're afraid.
0: I I absolutely love that. And I think as Amy is saying here and Victor is saying like that, I think the story that you just explained like literally tells the current situation. I think everybody feels like their dog is getting bitten by. Like if that's what you got, your cat or like you, like yeah. I think you are, and they're like you, you can't think and fear in a way can be a great motivator for you because you wouldn't do certain things in it. So here's my paranoia. And I, I talk about that a lot. It's like, I always feel that right around the corner from here, there is somebody who is innovating that at a cheaper, faster, better rate than yeah. I am. Yeah. I have this paranoia. And if, for a long period of time, I felt like it was a, a bad obsession. It was a bad thing. But later on, I started to use that as like, like, oh, that's a motivator for me to innovate. Like, yeah. so this is a, an example of that. I used to do podcasts all the time, but now I've turned all my podcast interviews into streams where we're still I'm doing the same exact thing that we're doing, but now we have conversations with other people chiming into it that makes it more fun and interactive. I started to do it consistently at the same time that allowed people to come in and literally put it on their calendar at the same time. And I think all of a sudden the the, the, the amount of viewership and readership for the content that I create has gone like 10x. Yeah.
1: And I'm looking
0: at this and saying, Well, how in the world is that possible? And I, I feel like if you are thinking about it, you can use the right kind of fear lever. So I want to jump in with one of the things that you talked about. And there are four attributes and it's, it's in there. And I don't know if you'll go through all four of them, yeah. but yeah. You had, I'm going to start with the fourth attribute that you talked about in the art of corporate innovation, okay. which is iterate or die.
1: Yeah. Yes. Right? And
0: I, yeah. and I, feel, I mean, I, when I read that, I'm like... That's me. Like, I want to iterate, iterate, iterate and never feel like I got it. Like, I mean, the day I feel I got it, I think I'll I'll die. So so talk to me about that.
1: Well, I love what you're saying because we had this old CEO back in the day that used to say, you have to be sufficiently disturbed. Like, (laughs) like if if what you're working on is not disturbing you, if it's not like keeping you up at night, if you're not in the shower thinking about it, then it's probably not going to be successful. So this idea of just something like, Uh, haunting you and you wanting to just put your arms around it and figure out how to wrestle it to the ground. I mean, to me, that's, that's innovation. Like when something so bothers you that you have to figure out a better solution for it, like that's, yeah, I, that's what I wake up for. So I would say this with like the first, let that fourth attribute, like iterate or die. There is no perfect. Um, If you want to create an innovative culture in your organization, you cannot have a command and control environment. Mm. In a command and control environment, um, like 20 people have to look at it before it can go out the door. And, you know, somebody at the top has to control what's being done. And that does not breed innovation. What breeds innovation is, you know, being able to have a process for good ideas to be raised, good ideas to be vetted. And then someone in that process being able to raise the flag and say, this is something we can invest in, Let's start to iterate on it. Let's start small. Let's incrementally push it out to the market. And the bottom line is you're going to know pretty quickly if anybody wants that. Some of the ways you'll know is, you know, will a customer pay for it before I built it? Will, will they pay for it in prototype, right? That's one of the ways you'll know. Um, do people, are people consuming content around this innovation that we're about to launch? Um, if there's, you know, if there's not people... Complaining, you probably did something that didn't matter. So you've you've gotta you've gotta figure these things out. But the idea of iteration says there is no perfect, get something mm-hmm. out the door, iterate on that idea and build on it. And so that gives you the ability to test it in small markets and kill it if it stinks. And <laughs> or you, you, know, or invest in it further if it does not. And so, you know, one of the things I, I think about is in a great story that I, I think about all the time is the difference between Nokia and the iPhone. I mean, if you think about what they did, um, there was this, this, this is one of those like stories that you, you, it wakes you up at night because you're like, why did they do this? Um, let's go back in the day. Let's go like 2004 to 2007 yeah. Nokia invested somewhere like $22 billion in R and D for their phone. Mm. Meanwhile, Apple spent about $2.5 billion all right. And guess guess who's on top today, right? So what, we, what I find is that they had like a slow-moving train wreck.
0: Mm. And
1: it was this idea of not like iterating, not understanding the customer, not understanding where the market is moving. And so we have to take risks, but they need to be calculated and they need to be small enough to where it doesn't sink your ship. And that to me is the iterator die because essentially... Um, they set off just like a, a, a atomic bomb on, on, on their R and D, right? Because they didn't really understand that just because you make an enormous investment in something does not mean that it's going to come into the market and, and boom, right? It, it actually was a bust. So we have to understand really clearly where we're focusing and, and throwing money at a problem does not solve the
0: problem. It's, uh-huh. does
1: the customer want it? That's the first question we always have to ask.
0: I I absolutely love that, and I want to get to some of these comments. So, time, chime in and share some of the questions you want me to ask Natalie on innovation, because I know this is a this is in the hearts and minds of people, and I think people are almost shipish about like, hey, I don't want to ruffle the feathers, I don't want to talk too much or do too much. But can we please say like loud and clear, like you have the permission, go and talk about things because. Literally, everybody around the table is waiting yes. for somebody to lead. Yeah. Somebody to say something. So I feel like we're, I mean, it's, it's really interesting. There are two points here that I want to highlight um, if, if people missed on it. One, I love your, com- your point around committee and how, I mean, I think committee is the great, if you want to kill great ideas, number one, form a committee. Right now, form a committee to vet your idea. It's the greatest way, the fastest way to kill ideas. There's just yeah. no way. But what you can do, because you do need to have some sort of thing. So I think what you said was create a process so that people can just go through that. But don't have everybody in the company and vote. And it doesn't, innovation doesn't work like that.
1: That's where so. innovation dies.
0: Yeah, totally. And I love you say like, and, and if it doesn't work, kill it if it stinks. I love yeah. that. that is a, that's a tweetable thing. Kill it if it stinks. <laughs> I think the other thing we were saying, and, and this is maybe coming out now um, in a much clearer form um, than, than I think how we talked about earlier, which is constraints is actually a good thing. Yeah, the Nokia and iPhone example is, is a great example. Both of both companies, they had the same exact opportunities looking mm-hmm. at the same exact thing. I would assume they have similar type of engineers and stuff. Uh, of course, there's a uh, you know, visionary person on one side led that just out of like out of, off the charts, but they were looking at the same problem and the same opportunities in front of them, but there were constraints around it. And I feel right now, again, the constraints are a good thing. Major majority yes. of the things that we do do not require money yeah. that, that will have impact, especially if you are testing something. So, um, so I'm going to bring in a couple of comments here. So this is a huge comment. Sorry, for some reason, I'm not seeing the name of the person in the, as I'm pulling this. But it says, I had a really interesting call with the head of Brook. I mean, I'm glad you're sharing the name of the organization, which is the leadership and development organization. And he said the same thing. Leadership in his space right now need to touch base more often, leave with empathy, and think of the psychological human condition. Leadership from the top, he said, needs to internalize their coach, positive formations in their team, double down on positive behaviors and outcomes, not just gaps or deficiencies. Yota.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, there's a, there's a key word in there that um, we mentioned, which was psychological safety. And there's a couple of things that I believe bring, give rise to innovation. So it is psychological safety. It's also collaboration. It's candor, the ability to communicate open and honestly without fear of retribution. When I tell the CEO that his pet project doesn't make sense and here's why, because I've studied the market and there's 15 people going in a completely different direction. And if we focus on that pet project, we'll be two years behind them. Like that needs to be able to be said without fear of being fired. And in the willingness to fail, and this is really important, you know, when we fail, we have to ask ourselves a couple questions, which was why always and how can we learn from it? And was it preventable? But we have to create environments where people are are okay failing, so there's not a fear of losing their job. And then I think there's also this idea of flattening the organization so that it isn't 35 layers to get to the person that has the money or can help you make that decision. And so that idea, those things I think are critical for innovation, but specifically speaking into psychological safety, I mean, this is what I was talking about. A lot of people are afraid to go to work. They're afraid to think outside the box. They're afraid to fail. And when you have those fears, what you find, and we talked about it earlier, is you don't create. And so we have to be more afraid of not creating than of failing at it. And so to me, that's that psychological safety. It's up to the leader's job. Even if you have a bad leader above you, your team shouldn't know that. Yeah. They should feel so psychologically safe coming to work that they feel they can create, they can think outside the box, they can break down barriers. And so you said it earlier, but we want to create rails, yeah, not walls. <laughs> so the rails give us an idea of like, this is the sandbox we're playing in. These are the, the tools and techniques we can bring to the table today, but um, but not walls, which is just do your job and be quiet. <laughs>
0: Love it. And, and that comment was from Gianni. So that was, that was really cool. Hey, Devin, uh, thanks for joining in. some of the folks are joining in right now. And Caitlin talked about, is, is putting a comment on Radical Candor, which I'm sure you've heard about and yeah. talked about. Uh, Kim Scott, she has been on the um, on, on live before as well. And I love the stories around leadership, because if Radical Candor is in your organization, then you know you have a healthy culture.
1: That's right. And and let me tell you this like, consensus in an organization is poison.
0: Say that again.
1: Consensus in an organization is poison. You don't want consensus. Consensus kills good ideas. Consensus says, well, now that the person at the top says it, we better all just get in line versus saying, you want to bring different, unique perspectives and viewpoints to the table. And then you want to collaborate, <laughs> on and, and arrive at the solution that's best. So consensus is poisonous to the organization. Collaboration gives rise to innovation.
0: Ooh, I love that. I love that. All right. One more thing. Uh, given the time, like we want to go jump in over here because there are like four different ones that I love. I think you touched a little bit on the healthy teams, healthy results part of it. Yeah. Um, that that's one area where I feel like we can really double down on because I think. Right now, it's a little bit of a toxic work culture. Like one, especially you're not physically with people. It's hard to really understand body languages um, and, and people are getting a little bit burned out. All these things going on. How do you create healthy teams right now, which results into, to your point, healthy, healthy results?
1: Yeah, I mean, so that's, a, that's such a big question, but I think it starts with being intentional. So if you were not intentional before COVID hit, you probably are not intentional right now with connecting with your team. And I think connecting with your team is, is not just connecting on a head level, which is what is the work we need to get done, but it's connecting on a heart level, which is I'm human, you're human. Um, we're both showing up today in a nice top, but we're probably wearing pajama pants. How are you doing? And let's talk about that. And so not, you know, I think what COVID has done for us, it, it, it has broke down a lot of those barriers. You're getting into people's houses. You're getting to know them a lot better than you ever would before. And it's humanizing leaders. Yeah. And I think that the more we can humanize ourselves, the more effective as a leader we will be. So something that um, I've done with my teams in the past, when we do an offsite we will spend some time talking about our personal stories. And there's a lot of tears and there's a lot of, oh my gosh, you are human. Like, you know, I may not have looked at you that way before, but you have human experiences. You go through really hard things. You're still standing after going through those hard things. I now not only respect you, but I'm impressed with you, not because of your professional life, but because of your personal life and bringing that humanizing side into who you are and what you bring to work I think that's kind of been the if you can find any silver lining in COVID, it's humanizing our leaders so that we we want to follow people that that are real. We don't want to follow someone that's on a on a, you know, pedestal.
0: Yeah. It so good. So good. I I feel like we now are in people's living room as opposed to their boardrooms. That's right. Right? And I think when I look at when I think about my kids running in when I'm having a call it's a perfectly normal like right now if the kid if my kids run in I think everybody would be like perfectly fine by seeing them and and I think it's a it's almost like we've we've started to respect people's life uh, I personally know a lot more about my team now than I did four months ago yeah uh, I know what, what, what's going on. I mean, it's, it's really interesting. So I love you mentioning and talking about that humanizing leadership. And I think one of the best ways, as you said, to build trust is to share your personal stories. It's so interesting. I, I think for the longest time avoided my personal failures, uh, personal challenges, yeah. personal things, all that stuff. And I think that put people away. Because they looked at, oh my God, yeah, Sangram has done this and that. And the more I share, like, hey, do you remember, I did not know how to make a sales call. And I actually had to mute As I tell more of these stories, people are like, oh, so you are human. Like, yeah. I can't do this. And I think that's the confidence that we uh, we have the opportunity to to jump in. Yeah. Share. Uh, and I mean, again, I want to give a couple of shout outs to folks. Again, Gianni is making great comments uh, around this and and again, I think there's a lot of people in healthcare uh, leadership that we all need to do a hat tip and uh, how they're going through it and, and love it. Um, Amber, great to see you over here. Human-to-human connection is ultimately how we all build our personal brand and thereby corporate brands for it. You also talked about this idea of fund only what matters. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I think right now, across the board, funding has been slashed. And, 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 and especially, I think you look at like innovation or marketing, like, yeah, oh, that's the first place you're going to take money out from. Yeah. But you have a different perspective on that. What's that?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that innovation is the first thing to get pulled when the economy is doing what it's doing right now, which is it's all over the place. And I think that's a wrong approach. Because innovation is it's like literally saying if you're if you're a saver, it's like saying I'm not going to save for the future. I'm not going to plan for the future and I'm not going to bet on the future. I just want to focus on today and I'm not going to bet on the future. So when you think about your innovation budget, again, as long as you're not overspending, as long as you're funding what matters and you're funding it well, Um, you know, you know, the famous Warren Buffett quote, he says, you know, be fearful when others are greedy, and be greedy when others are fearful. So right now, everyone is fearful. So you should be thinking about the fact that this is the perfect time to take advantage of what's going on in the marketplace. And so you have to, I think, as a leader, move out of our brains being hijacked by everything that's going on in the news and, and, you know, in the world. And, And you have to move out of that hijacked zone and into a place where you can think straight, which says, what do I need to create in the future? And if you can think that way, then mm-hmm. as hard times are, are <laughs> coming over us like waves, we are, are popping our head up above the wave and saying, yes, but in the future, this, but in the future, this. So you're always forecasting that innovation into the future and embedding on it today so that as your rivals, right, in your same, in your same space, as they're just getting hit by the waves, you're rising above them and trying to figure out like, like yes, that's the horizon. If I can just get over to that horizon, we will be fine. And to me, that's what innovation says. I bet on the future and I'm going to invest in the future. So um, critical would be that you don't kill innovation in a time of, you know, of hardship. And that's typically what a lot of people do. That's when they want to pull back instead of doubling down and find an area, even if it's just one. And double down on it.
0: Invest in it. Invest in your future. How, give a practical tip. How how can people? Wh- what can people say and uh, to their bosses, to their teams when that just coming from top down? Ah, right, we're gonna take this out. Take this out. Like you, you, you. Imagine somebody is in an organization. They have ideas right now. They don't have a proper innovation group. They don't really have a proper process. They don't have. Uh, a lot of great things happening right now, but they have an idea and yeah. a lot of ideas and, and they want to do that. Like, is, are there practical ways to approach it yeah. uh, to their bosses or to their colleagues and say, hey, you know what? Here's here's my idea. Like, what can they do?
1: Yeah. So there's a friend of mine that works um, in the innovation space at NCR, and he has this great saying where he says, don't just tell me you have an idea. Show me that you've done the research. Show Mm -hmm. me that you understand the market. Show me that you've talked to some customers and the customers are actually excited about your idea. Show me, right? So I think part of what we want to do is lob things over the wall. I have an idea. Here, go build it. Yeah. And have something, go invest in it. But what if we were really passionate about that idea, seeing the light of day, go do the legwork. And I remember early in my career, when the, a crash initially happened, I was working on international product development, and having a ball. Well, we were all, you know, cut. So people were getting moved all over, and I got moved to the U.S. side. And the first thing I did was I started doing research and said, "Okay, I'm getting random projects. That's not what I want. I want to work on something that has meaning and it matters." So I spent a couple of weeks asking for data, you know, looking for information. Um, doing as much research as I can. And then I I marched into the CTO's office and I said, here's what I want to work on. And he mm-hmm. said, I'll do one better. Let's go work on something that's even bigger than that. But the idea that like you could go do the legwork yourself, the idea that you could go like formulate the idea, formulate the thoughts around it, formulate why this is a good idea. Where is the market going? Why is that successful? That's really what a leader is looking for. They They don't want to Um, it's kind of like, you know, people talk about the monkey on the back. They don't want to take the monkey that's on your back and put it on theirs. Like take the monkey with you. If you're passionate about it, go figure out what it is, build it, build it as much as you can get as far as you can, and then come to me and show me. And by the way, 10 customers will buy it right now if we'll prototype it.
0: I absolutely love that. I I just put it in there. Please tag someone who could watch this and in a way, because I think a lot of people need to hear what you just said. It's a very practical way to go and start doing it. And I'm guilty of this. Like talking about failures, I'm getting, I wake up with 100 ideas every day. So it's like, and and, and I need to sometimes take a step back and write it down, talk to a couple of people, like get people's perspective before I put in. And I've seen tremendous value on it. It's not like, the people in the company don't want great ideas, right? And they get so many ideas that they don't know which ones to invest
1: in. That's exactly right. And that's the the frustration. When I talked to my friend, he said, it's not like we have a lack of ideas. Yeah. We have a lack of good ideas that are fleshed out and well thought through. And yeah. someone has to do that work. But I can tell you this, if you're passionate about that idea and it burns like a fire inside of you, like you'll do it. You will yeah. do the work that it takes. Otherwise. It will fall to the wayside.
0: Absolutely. So one of the things that I would share practically on LinkedIn, I don't know if anybody has used polls, but I've used polls lately more than I have in the past because one, it very immediately I would get normally five, six hundred people, some just saying yes or no, and I would ask like, "What? What's the one thing that's uh, that you're struggling with in account-based marketing, or what's the, you know, what is the number one skill you need as a CMO?" And people would add that, and to me. That gives me so much intelligence around where the market is. And then I would take that as a screenshot and say, Hey, I have talked to 500 people and here's what they're saying. Only like almost 80% of the people are saying that one of the greatest challenges they have is the marketing and sales alignment. So let's start creating content around this. Let's just maybe create mini workshops with marketing and sales leaders together and do that. But that poll was kind of a legwork in some way. So I think you saying that, that's just fantastic. All right. So I'm going to try to summarize it, maybe two or three big ideas over here. And then I would love, uh, Natalie, for you to give people a challenge that they can literally do it today and say, go in the office, however virtually you are, and 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 do this one thing. Maybe, maybe pick up the full, like whatever, real practical, so people don't have to like, well, let me create a full-on research report. No, no, no. Like something <laughs> they can do, right? So... Three big takeaways from me. And there will be more um, on it. And again, I'm creating a private uh, group. So if you're interested in joining where I go through details of it, just DM me um, and I'm happy to do it. So number one, you talked about psychological safety. I think that's a big idea. Yeah. I think Everybody needs to create a safe environment for people to feel like they can do certain things. So I think it's a big idea. If everybody hasn't haven't really thought about it, it's time to think people are no longer just saying, Oh, we got to win. We got to win. No, I want to feel safe in the environment where we are. That's where trust comes and care comes in. Number two, you said it subliminally in the beginning that you start your day a certain way. You go and look at the news later part of the day. You're not letting your mindset be be driven by all the things that are happening in, in around you, you're actually taking the time to do the best work of your life, during the best hours of your day, and then letting other things kind of fester. I think it's a really big point. And I hope everybody looks at their their calendars and say that, where do they spend their time? Like if the first thing they on is news, and the first thing they look at, is, they listen to is radio, and the first thing they do is you know, or is out there and not actually having a plan for their day in the morning? Gosh, you you you're letting the world rule you, and and there were that's when the fear and all the things that we talked about comes and seeps and takes hold, and that's when you can't really do much of it. So start your day the right way. I feel like it was something you said, but I feel it's a really really massive point. And finally, where you kind of ended up with, which is don't just come up with ideas and tell people are not not trying to put you down as a matter of fact they want good ideas the problem is let's be introspective we're not doing the legwork to come and say hey i I not only have an idea i know that some things can happen i've actually done a survey i've actually talked to five customers i actually have the data and all this information is there but you have to do the work and you go with that Chances are none of your peers are doing that. Nobody else is doing it. actually can get you promoted in the organization. You might get bigger budget. You might actually be in a bigger position than you ever thought because you had the audacity to do the work, right? Like it's really, really important. So those are my big three takeaways. And I'll put a lot more in the, in the private group that I'm putting together. But Natalie, what is the one thing people can practically do To be innovative in their company right now.
1: Yes. So the future belongs to those who create it. So it's your job to create the future. And I would say that as a leader, and I'll kind of break this up. If you're a leader, what you should be doing is creating psychological safety on your team. That's the most important thing you can do as a transformational leader. Because what we understand when we become a leader is that it's not our job to have all the ideas, but it's our job to bring the best and the brightest people to the table to innovate with, right? If we're doing that, then that's powerful. And then what we also understand if you're an individual contributor, and let's say you're not over a specific department or area today, but you're just kind of um, individually contributing, go talk to 10 customers. You can do that, you know, in the next couple of days and see if you understand a problem or a pattern that's arising. Now, if you can solve that problem or pattern, you just found yourself your next innovation, your next idea, your next product.
0: I love that. You know, can I add to one more thing to that? Because I think you mentioned something that I wish I would have done in the very early days of Terminus a lot more. If you are a tech product right now, you probably have your customers rating you on G2 or Trust Radius or some of these things. Go and read those messages. Like literally go and take the time Read it. I go and do that all the time because I want to know is what they saying and what our messaging on our website do they connect? Right. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they don't. And now you know that hey, our customers think this is who we are. We think we are this. And typically there's a little bit of a gap and a rift, and that's where the opportunity is. So I love what you said. Is like take time to talk to your customers. Take time to do love work. Now, like this has been a blessing. How can people find you?
1: So you can follow me on LinkedIn, Natalie Bourne. And then you can also follow me on Facebook or Instagram at Innovation Meets Leadership or check us out at Territory.co. And you can get a ton of different articles and information and just fun stuff around innovation um, on Territory's platform as well. So Territory Global, Territory.co.
0: Awesome. So follow Natalie. Uh, It's fun. And again, I'm going to just put in and give shout outs again, Amy, for being there. Um, um, Amber, so awesome to hear you. She always has great takeaways. I literally read sometimes her takeaways because she is like literally listening and, and gives me a better version or a written version of it. Caitlin, see you in the, in the community shortly. Um, thanks for DMing me uh, about it. So again, thanks for everybody joining Natalie. Again, thank you for pouring yeah. in. Um, everybody will meet up after 4th of July. So happy 4th of July if you're listening to it right now. Uh, We'll, we'll do a Q and a next Monday. So thank you so much. Thanks everybody.
1: Thank you for having me. See you later.
0: You've been listening to the flip my funnel podcast to make sure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you have an iPhone, we'd love for you to open the Apple podcasts app and leave a review. Thank you so much for listening until next time.